Hulu out there in podcast land. It's really nice to see so many people are still checking out Adobe and Teardrops and subscribing and downloading it. But I've moved on to a new project called Rainbow Rodeo. I'm going to drop an episode of Rainbow Rodeo into the feed. This is the most recent one. Hope you enjoy it. Rainbow Rodeo is a podcast where I interview queer country artists, although we are four episodes in and most of the people I've spoken with have moved away from country and Americana altogether. <laughs> but that's just kind of part of the queer experience, I think, is constantly searching and reinventing yourself. So we're going to listen to this interview by Sylvia Rose Novak and you can find Rainbow Rodeo on all of your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, you know, everything you're using to listen to Adobe and Teardrops. And I'm really grateful to your time. You can see in the show notes a link to the Rainbow Rodeo Patreon. That money is going to be used to print physical zines to spread the wealth and the word of queer country music. Thanks again for stopping by and enjoy. Hey there, cowpokes. You're listening to Rainbow Rodeo, the queer country music podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Colst. Why don't you join me? Howdy, cowpokes. It's time for another episode of Rainbow Rodeo. This month, I speak with Sylvia Rose Novak about the transitions between their gender and genre identity. Novak meant a name for themselves in the Americana world, but never quite felt the music fit. On their recent album, A Miss, A Masterpiece, Novak sheds genre conventions to create an alt-rock album with a bit of that good old Americana sincerity. It's one of my favorite albums of the year, especially because Novak has a voice that can't be missed. We'll listen to Man I Used to Be before jumping into our conversation. What's the point in running backwards? What's the point in me? Still, simple lines from faded actors. You made the cut, now make the kill. What's the point in running backwards? Is it fate or is it fear? Simple lines from faded actors. A call to arms, a call to hear. I can hear it in your voice better. Better than the man 
Well, I'm planning on starting us off with the song Man I Used to Be. I mean, I think it's pretty on the nose to begin a queer country podcast with a song with this title. (laughs) But I I was wondering if you could give us a little more insight into it. So one of the first, I mean, like this totally like we'll just jump like right out of the gate. I think one of the first indicators for me that I, you know, like was a non-binary person was that when I would create characters in my head to write about, they were not strictly female. Mm-hmm. Like I would write about myself in a fictional setting and I would write about myself in a fictional setting as a man or as a woman or as anything in between. And people were like, well, that's weird. Why don't you change the pronouns? And I'm like, well, because that's not the song and I don't want to. And then I started exploring that. I was like, oh, okay, that's why but um, yeah that one is kind of it's a letter to a loved one and like for me personally I I thought initially it might be from like a soldier or like somebody who's not like any historical war but I write a lot and kind of fixate on like nuclear war or like the end of the world like that's just just what I do I'm like obsessed with it I I blame for Mac McCarthy but it's just like where I live so it's like set in some dystopian future in my head where somebody's had to do something really like terrible and is writing this letter back and like I'm this character I guess in the scenario writing this letter back to somebody that I loved who maybe ended up hurt in all of this and like I'm sorry if anybody thought it was like a really pretty nice song but it's really kind of screwed up (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean that makes me think of, you know, just throughout the Indigo Girls catalog. Oh, there are a lot of songs that Amy Ray sings. And I actually don't know much about their writing process. So I'm just guessing if she's singing it, that she wrote the lyrics that like, 
she has a lot of songs where she just describes herself as like a man or a little boy and like I have not seen anything on the record about her gender identity and maybe she doesn't feel like she has to label it or anything but like you know you what you're saying makes total sense to me sometimes it just hits differently emotionally to to say that use those words yeah it wouldn't have for me had the same impact it wouldn't have meant as much to me if I'd felt like I had to make it from like a like a femme perspective because that's not where I was when I wrote it like Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) yeah and then so speaking of using music to express or explore your gender identity, something you've really emphasized with your new album, A Miss a Masterpiece, is that you've really moved away from like anything that's more explicitly country or Americana. I wanted to compare the song Shadow from Bad Luck, which definitely has more of like a sort of rockabilly kind of feel to it, with Fallout, which is on the new album.
I feel like these two songs sound like quite different, but I think there is a sort of through line. You know, did when you were singing or recording Bad Luck, did you start to feel this transition within yourself happen? Because like I think it's a Bad Luck is a great album, but like when I listened to both songs together, I could feel how maybe your heart wasn't totally into into it. 
Yeah, I feel, if you don't mind my say. No, totally. I feel I feel like transitorily I started to really figure out who I was and what I wanted like in just in like expression and like as a person and a musician probably around 2018 like the tail end of 2018 going into 2019 and like I still like recording that record like I was still kind of like yeah but is it is it you know you're you're always kind of caught in that questioning in the beginning like is it right to want this is it right to want to do this so I was really unsure and on the fence and I was really insecure really insecure and I think that's what kind of comes through in the record is like it could have been this really strong album but like I was so unsure of so many things about myself that I just held it all back like a lot got held back yeah I mean is is Bad Luck your oldest album because it was the oldest one I could find on wine so I think I remember reading that you took some some things down I did I had two well I have a Miss and Masterpiece is my fifth album Bad Luck was my fourth so I think Someone Else's War might still be up somewhere I think it might still be on Spotify if I'm remembering correctly and that was my 2018 album Mm-hmm. And then I've released an album a year or every two years since 2014. So my first record was Chasing Ghosts in 2014. And it was just like a straight up, like ahead of the curve, out of the gate, outlaw country record before anybody was doing that again. Yep. And then I went, oh, well, this is dated. And I kind of moved toward a little more Americana sound and then outlaw country reemerged and exploded. And I was like, of course. And then the next record was the last three years and it was country Americana kind of folky and I it was cool I did some really cool violin stuff on it but it felt too much like a I mean I was 26 when it came out I was 25 when I recorded it and it sounded like a 25 year old's diary and that that rhymed and I was like I don't want people to hear this this is really embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean uh, so I've recorded, this was like maybe the sixth interview I've recorded for this podcast series. And literally every single person I've spoken to, maybe this is just the moment we're in, has said like, gender is not working for me. And also genre is not working for me. So this is a, <laughs> a queer country music podcast, but actually like nobody I've like interviewed so far has like put out country music. And I'm wondering like, where do you feel, or at least for their most recent releases? So like, where do you, and that's fine. Like, I don't care. Like everyone's got to do what they got to do. And I think it all belongs because that's the whole beauty of like queer art. But you know, where, is this something you are seeing among people like you're talking with in your circles or like, what do you make of this change? I feel like people and like, I feel like people either I don't know, like went one way or the other, like you're talking about people either went like hard into the country mm-hmm. realm, like people who were kind of in the Americana scene or doing some more rock forward stuff, either went like all in, like we're a country band now, or they went, yeah, no, we're a rock band now, like we did. I mean, I don't feel like there's like, it feels hard to find the middle ground anymore. I feel like I've definitely seen people go either hard one of two ways. Do you see like a connection between like, your own identity as like the genre of music you're making or do you feel like you're always like doing a lot of different things at once and it's kind of about where which buckets you want to put like your different songs in I think as a human being I'm always doing a lot of things at once like 
<laughs> everybody's like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a musician and I play like 10 instruments and I train horses and I teach yoga. And they're like, and, and I'm like other stuff. We don't have to get into it. But then as an artist, I've had to learn that that can be like, I mean, and my whole life has been confusing to people and that's fine. I don't care. But like when you're trying to like figure out how to put yourself in front of people in a way that mm. they can like understand a little better, you can kind of be all over the place as like a person, but your music, I think has to like eventually start to become one thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that the rock transition was just more in line with me finally becoming comfortable with myself and like learning to take up space and be loud. And I'm like, oh, I can be loud. Nobody can stop me. And then here we are. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I know you like you covered Jimmy World on this album, but are there any other like artists who you feel like have really influenced you? Yeah, too many. But and, and it's kind of wild because I still do listen to like Americana and country yeah. music and stuff like and you know, people are like, Oh, you just like done with that. And I'm like, no, I still think the writing is great and I really like it. But like and kind of in line with this like gaslight anthem or like a band who are like is it country is it rock what is it and I'm like I really like the gaslight anthem because they were like a pop punk alt country western who like what how do you classify that it so was, that's yeah like Bruce Springsteen like yeah. I, mean, I think that's <laughs> who they were ripping off from but I love them too with all my heart but yeah and it works it's like it totally works and, and I was like you know I, during 2020 like run on the treadmill and listen to like the 45 sound and be like yep. well if they can do it I can do it you know yeah and, like Foo Fighters like I want to be Dave Grohl dressed up as Dave Grohl for Halloween one year I make a very convincing Dave Grohl I do it very well I love Paramore of course I mean it's very stereotypical but <laughs> Paramore I yeah I love a lot of those like kind of emo bands but Jimmy World like you know we talked about kind of like me exploring the like post grunge to emo pipeline. And mm -hmm. like, I've been working on that, but it ended up just being like a two page ode to Jimmy world. And I've had to go back and be like, this is really creepy. Let's like <laughs> dial back. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it has <laughs> to be. Yeah. This is just for a little context, Sylvia, that I've been emailing back and forth because I've started like doing like a deep dive into like Gaslight Anthem, Men Menzingers, Menzingers, how's that pronounced? But you know, I, that kind of like South Jersey, Philly punk pop scene that is still like doing really interesting and creative things like 20, 30 years later that we were talking about maybe like an essay about that, but uh, hey, I would love to read two pages about Jimmy Eat World. I don't think it's creepy at all. That's the whole point. That's basically what music journalism is, like professionalizing, like your hyper fixations <laughs> that's very validating because it's very it's very like clinical it's all been researched but it's also it, it's like all arrows point to jimmy world it's mm -hmm. bizarre but like i totally buy into it because i think they're absolutely just transcendent you know I, <laughs> I went to a concert where they were the headliners gaslight anthem opened and then uh against me opened for gaslight so I feel like this is very relevant to this conversation. <laughs> like there's a huge overlap between like Americana and queer music and Jimmy Eat World, truly the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. But like, I <laughs> loved the album, you know, Bleed American, which was then retitled to Jimmy Eat World. I never really followed up with any of their other music. So I think a lot of people were there to be like, oh, we'll see Gaslight and then ha ha, Jimmy Eat World. They were so good. 
good. Yeah, they're like, I think Jimmy World is truly the perfect album. No note should be replaced there, but all their other songs are like even better. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this is now a Jimmy World podcast. Sorry, everybody, but also you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So jumping back in from the future, we are going to listen to Jimmy Eats World song, Futures, and then we'll follow that up with Sylvia's cover of their song, Dizzy. Numbers. It could 
Did you get- 
what was your your journey into music like what plugged you in and then what made what was the moment you're like I'm just gonna like do this and get out of my bedroom and perform in front of other people I was totally a band kid like band nerd kid like first year trombone player like played electric bass in my middle school jazz band and then like played all sorts of stuff in my high school band loved like I thought it was going to be a band director like I did not write songs really like I played some covers on my acoustic guitar and like I played banjo and I played bass and some like like bands with my friends but like I didn't really sing and like my writing I thought I was going to be a beat poet because you know that's something that people still are (laughs) and I just I don't know like I there was something like I was really like in my early 20s was always still kind of floating in and out of like being the bass player being somebody's violin player being the fiddle player being the sidekick and I like I think just one day I went I can write better than this Like I can write better than what I'm hearing. I can arrange better than what I'm hearing. And I just sat down when I was 23 years old and like kind of wrote a whole album and was like, look, and that was the end of it. That's what started it all. Yeah. I bet that felt really empowering too. It did. I was like, I mean, it was basically like five foot two me, like puffing my chest up to all these like dudes I was in bands with and being like, I did it too. And they're still my great friends. They were like, good for you, Scooter. Like, nice work. <laughs> now they're still so supportive. Like, I've been lucky to be surrounded by great and supportive people. But I did. I like felt like I had something to prove. And then I proved it. And then I kept proving it, I guess. Yeah. I had fun. I liked it. And that was it. Yeah, I love that. Would you, If you feel comfortable, would you mind talking a little bit about your like gender journey? God, that word's so overused. But you know, I mean, like your experience with it, you know, I'm sure there are going to be people who are listening who are like, am I in this place? How do I get to, to Celia's place? And yeah. Well, it was, I spent my like, I guess, you know, I was one of those kids who was like, quote unquote, like a tomboy. Shocker, you know, and but I, I still, you know, it was like one of those things where like I did like playing like dress up like princesses with my friends, but then I wanted to go out in the yard and fight with sticks in my princess dress. Like I wanted to go get absolutely filthy and horrible and run around. And I didn't want to take a bath. Like I was one of those kids that like I wanted to live in my filth. My mom had to like force me to bathe. And I know that's like so gross, but it's was. I wanted to be a feral woods child and I didn't want to be clean. And the older I got in the South, the more, and luckily I was in high school during the big like pop punk emo scene phase. So I could just be a weird scene kid in skinny jeans with like a t-shirt and like a studded belt. And nobody was like, why are you dressing like that? It was just a thing. Like I could cut my hair off to my collarbones and it was the time and the aesthetic. And then I kind of got older and into my twenties and was like dating folks like men and women and like always felt kind of like when I dated women when I was in relationships with women it always felt like really not like fine compared to dating men like it was better I liked it better you know like you know what I think of the other but I felt more comfortable being myself like at my expression of myself like because there was nobody going like you know, you sure you aren't just gay? Like, 
you sure do have big biceps. You sure do wear a lot of flannel. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, yeah. you know, the sort of, and I was like, well, I like, you know, I like, I don't want to wear makeup today. I may want to wear makeup two days from now, but not today, you know, and I kind of navigated a lot of not feeling feminine enough in my male relationships. And like, it led me to start feeling really bad about myself that I wasn't this enough but like then there was this huge like part of me that was like but you don't want to be different than you are you're just feeling bad about a way that people are making you feel like you're not feminine enough and why do you feel so bad about that when you're perfectly happy wearing a canadian tuxedo to a formal dinner like you shouldn't. And then I met my husband who out of the gate, like no questions asked, loved me. Everything about me as a person has like every facet, every like move, every like the day I like first time I came to him and was like, you know, I just heard this word non-binary. And I think that's what I am. He was like, well, you know, maybe explore that. Like, you know, he's very respectful of it has been the whole time and like doesn't make him feel you know he's great and it's like I've had this really supportive place finally in a relationship and with a male person who was never like you're not feminine enough there's something wrong with you you should do this this or this and being in that stable supportive place where I'd previously felt so unseen and it like invalidated gave me the space to really figure out who I am like who I have always been and become like really comfortable with it so it's like I think the thing that wasn't happening for me was I wasn't getting the support I needed previously to really understand like and there were even people who obviously like were uncomfortable with the fact that I was like by pan you know mm. and I was like well maybe I should just and then it was just like no you know now that I'm loved and now that I'm seen and supported I I can yeah I can lean into it explore it like acknowledge it and that's and it happened really organically and it was really nice <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm so glad <laughs> it's hard to find harder than it should be Right. And it was not traumatic, which is like, I feel very, very, very fortunate, you know, that my journeys of coming out have been really filled with like love and support. Like really, really, I don't take that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that links into like, like I miss a masterpiece again, because I know in your press materials, you were like joking, like, I'm going to disappoint so many people with this album, but like, but have you, like, now that's been out, you've toured a little bit, you know, how, how are you like mixing together, like the older material with the heavier material in live shows or like, what, what are people saying? So I have had a few people who like missed Bad Luck as an album completely, mm-hmm. who, who like only heard my super Americana country stuff, who have like shown up to shows and been like, I feel like you could just split the difference. And I'm like, I did that. I did that. You missed it. Generally, if it's kind of a longer show, like an hour and a half, two hours, like headlining set, we'll do 
we'll do like a kind of like a dual album thing. Like we'll do songs from Bad Luck and then a Miss a Masterpiece or like vice versa so that it's not like so jarring because mm -hmm. like trying to do like Waiting on October and then doing like Stress Fracture, I think would give people, <laughs> it would be really bad. I feel like that'd also be hard on, on you all as a band too. Yeah, I mean, we've done weirder, I'm sure. Yeah. My, my poor band is, they're really good people who <laughs> put up with a lot for me. I definitely, yeah, they put up with a lot. But no, people, people who like it really like it. And, but a lot of the people who really loved Bad Luck have largely stayed quiet. And I think a lot of it is like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it would turn some people off. Yeah. yeah. Well, so since it sounds like you have like a pretty regular album cycle, you're probably working on the next, I'm guessing, or are you taking a break to recharge? Yeah, we recorded and released two follow-up singles to a Miss a Masterpiece. Right. And they were fun and awesome. And then like last week, I had been feeling a little off. And then last week, I like, I guess I hit a, I don't know what happened, but I finally was just like, oh, I'm experiencing burnout. Like big, bad, nasty, deep burnout. So there is some like future planning and we are talking about it, but I'm giving myself a lot of space and a lot of grace. Cool. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not really into astrology, which I think will come up when we, we do the Patreon questions, but like literally everyone I know, including myself, like something about last week or the week before, just like boom, everyone burned out all at once. So it's, uh, I think it's the heat, but <laughs> I spent the first half of today on the verge of tears for like no reason. Oh, I'm so I sorry. Just, not like depressed tears, like angry tears, just like yeah. enraged for absolutely zero reason, like nothing tangible whatsoever. <laughs> just like so furious at the air. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so I feel that. I'm just like, what is wrong currently? <laughs> You'll figure it out. That always finds a way to. So I come out at the end. Uh, yeah. yeah. So my, my last question before we get into our super secret special Patreon section is who is a queer country Americana, whoever artist who you'd like to shout out? This one is so easy for me. I just adore Orville Peck and I would love to meet Orville Peck one day because I have not heard a voice so moving since I first discovered Chris Isaac. I was yeah. like floored the first time I heard Dead of Night. I was like, who is this person? Who is this? And it's just been love ever since. <laughs> All right. So we'll listen to that. And, and then I think I'm going to pair that with Howl because I love that song from Amiss a Masterpiece. And then we are going to talk about some super secret cool stuff, a little gossip, a little astrology for the Patreon subscribers. So for anyone who's curious, you can check that link in the show notes. I love asking people to do things. You can hear how comfortable I am with that. So for everyone else, <laughs> see you next time.
So did you want to do the astrology question or the secret question? Either one. Or we could do both if you're up for both it. Is, yeah, I'm up for both. All right. So let's start with what is like a funny little harmless secret that you want to confess to the legion of Patreon subscribers who definitely listen. <laughs> I've told like five people this in passing and it's not like that big of a deal, but it's like, wow, really? So in Birmingham, Alabama, there's a venue called Iron City and I was playing the little side stage that they have in the restaurant on the same night that Lucinda Williams was playing in the main room. And if you played the little stage when you were done, you got to go watch the end of the show, which was a nice thing. So I get to see your last set. And then I'm standing in line, like to go backstage. I wasn't invited backstage. I was just, I had a friend who was going backstage and I was standing in line talking to him and was fully prepared to just like, you know, bye when he went, cause this like parents knew her or something. The security guard was, mistook me for Amanda Shires and asked if I wanted to go back. And I straight up lied and was like, yeah, I'm Amanda Shires. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. So I straight up, he was like, oh, Amanda. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't like lie and say I was Amanda Shires, but I did not correct him. And then I got to go meet Lucinda Williams. <laughs> All right. We got 10 minutes left, but if if we want to, we could always just restart and do a new meeting. What was that like meeting her? It was interesting. She was talking to somebody else and like, I have a picture of it. I was standing next to her and instead of like really acknowledging me, what happened was she just like put her arm around me and just like leaned on me while she talked to other people for like 15 minutes. Oh my God. That's the it most awkward. For real. <laughs> also, I like my friend took a picture. I mean, I'm like, I'm making a really weird face. I'll find it and like email it to you. It's spectacular <laughs> I feel like she has like some sort of like queer energy to her so like you know it was just a hard like lean and I was yeah like, <laughs> yeah yeah well cool. she's just used to people doing whatever you know doing yeah. what she wants I'm sure at this point so and I was just like okay cool you can hang out here that's right yeah I'm not doing anything, <laughs> doing anything. Yeah. I'm not even supposed to be here but you don't know that yeah I mean maybe she thought you were Amanda Shires Maybe she did, which is totally fine. <laughs> Were you like wearing a dress or something? I feel like she's super femme. I was wearing a pearl snap denim shirt. All right. Skin, like skinny jeans and like ankle boots. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like not at all, even a little bit. I'm just like, I, yeah. I feel like there's a way to use this to your advantage in the future too. You just have to strategize around it. Oh man. Yeah. I'll have to get the red out of my, like the unbright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Red and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So for astrology, I know many queer people love astrology and tarot and all that. Is, is that your bag? And what sign are you? I think astrology is fascinating. I like to spoof on it though. I love the like horror scoops, Instagram. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorites hilarious i'm an aquarius apparently. i don't know what that means, but yeah so like artistic and sensitive right 
I guess I'm, I guess I don't think I'm particularly sensitive. I mean, externally, but that could be a defense mechanism, which is a whole different topic. But yeah, like I tell people who are really into astrology, like I'm an Aquarius sun, Aquarius moon and Virgo rising. And they're like, of course you are. And I'm like, of course I am. Of course I am. You know? Yeah, oh. yeah sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know enough about it, but I, you know, do you know that the full moon yesterday was in Aquarius and I feel like a crazy person. So maybe, maybe there's something to it. Why not? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It's been a rough morning. I hope this helped distract you from it. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Well, cowpokes, it's time to saddle up and hit the trail. Thanks so much for joining us. You can support Rainbow Rodeo by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Rainbow Rodeo. From there, you can get access to secret fun parts of the podcast. You can subscribe digitally or physically to the Rainbow Rodeo zine that comes out every six months-ish. <laughs> and other amazing prizes and merch from your favorite queer country musicians. I'm Rachel Polst. Thank you so much to Patrick Haggerty of Lavender Country for letting us use the song Lavender Country as our theme. Thank you. Safe trails out there. <laughs>